Thank you for joining us at New Perspective Podcast. Today we'll be talking about current events, specifically focusing on police brutality and racial injustice. I'm Lovey New, co-hosted with my handsome husband. Joshua New, and I want to thank you, my gorgeous and beautiful wife, for co-hosting with me here. And I want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening once again to our new perspectives. And uh, I say, love, let's, let's just get started. Okay. Uh, I got a question here from some of our uh, social media pages. And, and the first one is, why do you think there is so much misunderstanding between white and black people as it relates to the Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter movement? I just feel like communication amongst the races have to do with the fact that maybe we're not hearing each other too clearly or not clearly enough. And specifically, I feel like um, white people relate to white people just like black people relate to other black people. Not trying to discriminate, but sometimes we're able to hear each other when we can relate to the person that's speaking. So I found this woman who's on TikTok who I think gave an amazing explanation for black and white people to clearly understand the issue. So take a moment and watch this video. Stop right there. Because I got to speak on something when it comes to this Black Lives Matter. I was having a conversation the other day and this girl says, I just can't support it. All lives matter. You're right, Karen. All lives do matter. But let me put it to you like this. Say we all sit down to eat and everybody gets a plate of food except for Bob. Bob says, I'm hungry. I want a plate of food. Karen says, we're all hungry, Bob. Bob says, but I don't have any food. I deserve food. Karen says, we all deserve food, Bob, with our full plate and continues to eat. Do they all deserve food? Of course. But saying it doesn't change the fact that Bob still doesn't have any. Do all lives matter? Yes. But saying it doesn't change the fact that black lives haven't mattered for years. Don't be mad because you don't have a movement. Be happy you don't need one. Black Lives Matter. So I just appreciated what she said. And at the end, I come to the final statement of um, our lives haven't mattered for so long. So it's hard to communicate that to a race who says all lives matter. So that's the one thing I think we need to hear that Bob is with a plate or without a plate in. She wants Karen to um, share with him. Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, I've said this a couple of times that if all lives really mattered, we wouldn't have to specifically call out Black Lives Matter constantly Absolutely. and over and over and reiterate that because they would all matter just the same. And it's quite obvious that they don't all matter the same. And so... Uh, I think what she said there is absolutely perfect and kind of spot on. It it even helped open my eyes a little bit. So Absolutely. I mean, yeah. her analogy was perfect. I yeah. agree with that. So I have a question for you from another one of our viewers. Why do you think the systemic racism against people of color is still so prevalent? Um, I, you know, I, I have to speculate here quite truthfully, but what I would say is I think it, it comes from the fact of, you know, the people in power want to retain that power. They don't want to give it up. And those are white people, you know, and we talk about government, you know, other than President Obama, every single president and vice president this country's ever had has been a white male. Yeah. And so I That's think, true. you know, that they, they want to retain that power and, um, you know, if we st- it's almost like, you know, if somebody can cheat at something, they will. Um, and, and honestly, it's kind of like if you ever played Monopoly with your older brother or something like that, 
it's kind of the same thing. You know, they're, they're sitting there stealing your, your $100 bills from underneath your, your Monopoly board and stealing your property when you're not looking. Um, that's kind of how black people feel in this country, unfortunately, that, that white people are stealing the opportunity or preventing them the ability to have an opportunity. And I think that uh, that contributes to it. It's just the, the struggle for power. Right. I think also the social media that's come about is, is really divided us more than united us. It's got I agree. some great things about it, you know, but and even you can look back at the election time period. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got the foreign governments who are using social media to divide us with this racist uh, propaganda, quite right. truthfully. Absolutely. But the only reason that it hits home is because it actually strikes a chord within some of us and we agree with it, a we align with it, right? And and so, and, and on both sides, but the, the, we don't actually try to come to the middle. We, we always are seeing the opposite. But, uh, you know, slavery's been abolished now for over 155 years and, and yet we still talk and treat black people as though they're less than white people and it's uh, and now even hispanics you know they get the same treatment unfortunately right um and a lot of times people get on social media and there's no repercussion for the things that they say and the hate that they spew and the disgusting vile comments they make but that's just it and i'm not to stop you but yeah. we do live in america where freedom of speech is allowed we didn't say freedom of speech has to be polite all the time so i absolutely yeah. agree with you that we are uh, spewing some hate out there but it's one of those things that um depending on who's listening you 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 may need to say it in such a hateful way as I, I think some of the people have said today with the rioting as well. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you have a great point there. It's just, I think that social media has done uh, an enormous job of actually spreading it in a way that couldn't be spread in the past. Uh, speed. You know, absolutely. And so, um, and people say things on social media, they, they'd say things on, on a, a post that they'd never go in front of a black man and say to his face. Right. And, and you know, I think that that, um, civility of people, whether it was fear or whether it was respect, either way, it kind of stopped people from making these outrageous comments and then adding fuel to the fire. And so um, I, I think that's, you know, those two reasons are really the two that I say kind of sparked it. And I believe <laughs> that, uh, you know, also people's upbringings and how they're taught, you know, because children are born they're not born to be racist. Right. It, it, it comes from, it's a taught, learned behavior that someone has taught them. And normally that, that's in their home. So. And I agree with that. I, I will disclose and I say very honestly, I was raised with racism. I didn't look at it at, at that way. And what I mean specifically, and I want to give everyone a caveat, um, my dad, my stepfather was white. My mother is 100% black. So I wouldn't say she's a racist, but I'm sure if you heard some of the teaching and upbringings that she gave us, such as if we saw people with Confederate flags, we were taught not to go by them. Um, We were also taught that, hey, as a black woman, you have to fight to get to the top. It's not going to be given to you because you have two strikes. You're female and you're black. So even though like I'm sure as someone overheard my mom giving me these teachings, they would be like, man, she's teaching her daughter to be racist. No, I felt like my mother was teaching me street smarts that you can't get in a book because it's not written in a book. 
um, just like white people or other people wouldn't like to say, it's kind of, uh, you know, understood that the president's going to be white only because history has shown that. And that's the facts. So, um, unfortunately there are two sides that coin. And I think, um, from the black end, usually it's about educating our children and making sure that they're not naive in this very, very, uh, unbalanced world is what I would say. Yeah, we've even had to have some of those conversations with our own kids. We honestly, do, yeah, you know, and so. definitely we have three mixed daughters, and um, I, I've done a skit or so um, on Facebook specifically about one my oldest daughter. She can't wear a hoodie specifically because of Trayvon Martin, and her skin color is closer to mine than Josh's, and and unfortunately that's the repercussions but that's yeah. street smarts that's reality i'd be a fool as a mom or you as a dad to let your daughter walk around knowing a kid was you know seemed or thought as being suspicious because he had a hoodie on right um a hoodie doesn't dictate whether you're suspicious how many um child molesters walk around with a hoodie on and they're still alive for the record so that's where i want my kid to be street smart that hey People, there are petty people in the world that will just look on race and jump on it. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to kind of move to another topic real quick. Yeah. Why do you think black people or just, you know, people in, of color in general, why do you think that they kind of view police officers and the police department as as being bullies or, <laughs> or bad people? Because they are. <laughs> I, I have to say it as plain as that. It's because they are bullies. Yeah. Um, you can look at how they have... Uh, treated my people, minorities, Hispanics, like we are animals that belong in uh, a cage. And unfortunately, I feel like most police officers were the kids in high school that weren't the most popular, that didn't have many friends, uh, weren't, um, were more on the nerdy side. And now this is their chance to uh, put the hurt that they had onto other people hurt people hurt people so unfortunately yeah. i'm not saying that your high school experience should not be negated i'm saying that maybe that was the platform that escalated people to being in the position i also want to add in if i had a gun on my hip and i was the law i would feel like a bully i would probably pull blow over a lot of people and see how many people <laughs> i can get them to shake and is it petty? Absolutely. Should they be doing that? No. That's why I'm not a police officer. I was smart enough to say <laughs> that's not a career field. I just went in the military. I don't know what's worse. But um, that to give me the assurance that that's not what I want to do day in and day out. No one, including white to whatever race, when they get pulled over, a cop is like, I am so excited to see who's on yeah. the other side of this window. No. So... It's also the the um, the presentation they give. They are right. not taught to be the most compassionate people, and that is something I think needs to be talked about as well. Um, and also the lastly, which is a little bit of history, law enforcement were um, were basically the people who rounded up slaves to implement the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. So it's ingrained in them to be vigilante specifically to the black culture. Their goal is to, or was at the time when they were doing it 40, 100 years ago, was, hey, you're doing wrong. We need to reel you in. We need to bring you back. Um, we had a whole civil war over this. So this is why I say it's all kind of ingrained in the system of um, the history of law enforcement to kind of behave that way. And unfortunately, that's why black people see 
um, men in blue just as that a whole nother different force somebody else that's not someone to partner with they're not here to protect and serve they're here more to be the bullies that unfortunately they get to be yeah no you're, you're absolutely right and that's unfortunate because as citizens that pay taxes and live in this world you know we need police otherwise there'd be complete chaos but they're meant to protect and serve and it seems like they prey on those that they're supposed to serve sometimes and I think that's just very unfortunate and it puts a, a bad light you know on them as well as a bad taste yeah. in our mouths and so you, you don't look as at the police in terms of being able to prote- being able to protect you um, except in the most dire circumstances uh, otherwise they're, they're seen more as uh, something to fear and, and that's not Absolutely. what they're intended and then, to be. I, I just to think as well as, you know, being a police officer, um, especially if you're going to apply to the Jim Crow days, is it's a nice little um, precursor to be into the KKK. I mean, if I was a KKK member and I could legally go arrest black people or even murder them in the public eye and nothing happens to me because I'm part of this big fraternity. And that's another thing we have to thank the police force as it's a big fraternity. They're going to have each other's back. You have seen it time and time again, specifically with the George Floyd case. There was only one police officer that was truly causing the harm, but there was three or four other police officers that were standing by, could have tapped on his shoulder and said hey hey, you're doing too much you're going too far but what did they do they did what a fraternity would do everybody stays silent we have each other's back we're not going to say anything because it's us versus them and that's why they're seen as bullies and that stigma needs to be stripped from them and i'm hoping we're on the way to doing that now yeah even the ahmaud arbery case uh you know the the guy who killed him his dad was a detective for many years and the reason that this never got the light of day was because it kept getting buried by the local law enforcement because they were buddies. It's a fraternity. So just to your point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a question on to, from our, um, our media, social media page. What are some training ideas that police departments should implement to decrease the police brutality? Yeah, so I've got quite a few different ideas I can say. Um, Number one, you know, first of all, just a little bit of background. So I served in the Marine Corps for 10 years. Um, I I taught martial arts in the Marine Corps. (laughs) Thank you. And thank my lovely wife, who was also in the Army. Um, So, but I also taught uh, martial arts when I was in the Marine Corps. And um, regardless of whether you're an admin or whether you are an infantryman, you know, we're taught how to. Uh, follow rules of engagement right absolutely you, you, and and we've all seen there's even a movie about it which is a great movie by the way <laughs> um <laughs> but there are rules of engagement and we must be upholding to those rules otherwise you violate the uniform code of military justice and you yep. will be charged and you will be tried for it um and and, and then in so there's that piece of it you have to follow the rules of engagement for any particular scenario um and then secondarily, you know, from a martial arts experience, is there's an escalation of force. Yes. The level of force needs to meet the level of threat. So I don't run up on a 12-year-old Tamir Rice who has a, a play gun at a park and jump out of my cop car and shoot him within 30 seconds of arriving on scene. <laughs> That's not using escalation of force. You nope. escalated directly to deadly force. No, de-escalation either. Correct. 
And so, you know, it's just very um, disheartening that you can see that situation play out. And on the other end of that bullet is a, is a, is a black kid. Yet I've seen how many hostage negotiations go on with the entire SWAT team who are trained to kill more than anything. Absolutely. And they bring people out very peacefully. And so, you know, that that sort of really invigorates my blood a little bit. But, you know, back to the training ideas, it goes back to those same things that the SWAT team uses. Right. You need to train your regular police officers out on the street. Train Absolutely. them in these same tactics. You know, because we want to be able to bring people in to be able to face their day in court. They, they should yeah. be able to have their day in court. Um, so escalation of force that, you know, that, that meets um, the, the crime, that meets the level of uh, force and threat that you're, you're seeing. Another thing that I think should be required is I think they all should be able or should be required to provide medical aid and assistance to those. That, Absolutely. Yeah. Because Protect and serve, right? How many times have, I mean, I've seen numerous times cops will put, unload a clip into a black man and then stand there and watch him bleed out and die to me i I just that's not okay that that's contributing to murder correct you know you're absolutely right even if it was an accident or you felt threatened you obviously are no longer that person is no longer a threat to you if they're bleeding out on the ground you've neutralized the threat why not at least try to save that individual and so I, i think Number one, they need to be trained in that. When I was in, in Germany, I was part of the Guard Force. Right. And, and we had to take the Army's basic lifesavers course. Uh, my job was in IT. I didn't do right. medical, but we, we had to know how to save someone's life I'm in case positive it came. I'm the police are all trained in basic sure lifesavers course. Right? And if not, if y'all need training, please reach out. I'm sure the American Red Cross would be very honored to give public um, training for free. Um, they do a lot of things for our people. And that, to me, would be at the highest of their list to make sure that police personnel needs to know how to administer first aid. If not, at the least, apply pressure to the wound. That's just common sense. I think my seven-year-old would know how to do that at the yeah. least. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so that's one of those things that I think, and if you don't do that, you, you would be considered ne- you know negligent homicide or something along those lines. Not even a question. If it's proof yeah. you didn't provide medical aid to someone that you caused that harm. I'm pretty sure that so, would be an upcharge for a civilian. Yeah. If we, uh, if a firearm went off by mistake and I left the scene or just stood there, I, I think I would get something, especially for me. I work in the medical field, so I can't just stand there by law. So that's yeah. why I say I'm pretty sure the police have the same rule. It's just overlooked by all the other chaos that's going on in that one case. That they're like, oh, we're not going to put that little small thing on, even though it truly is. If I am, yeah. I walk upon a person that's on the ground and someone's like, I know she's a nurse and I just keep walking. I get um, Good Samaritan law goes out of the window for me. Good Samaritan law, just for people mm-hmm. that may not know, means it's to do no harm, but you're trying. So if I was doing CPR and I had no clue how to do it and I cracked your ribs, that law would protect me in the sense of, hey, she was trying to save your life. Who right. cares if we broke a rib or who cares that maybe she crushed your trachea because she was trying to do good? Right. That's the same thing that should apply to a police officer if you're trying to do good yeah i mean well you've already caused them harm you've already yeah. caused a medical if you if you were the cause of their medical distress and you didn't therefore address it i feel like you should there should be some charges waiting for you absolutely you know um and and just kind of on that topic too is 
you know, to neutralize a threat, generally it don't take, number one, you could probably produce a warning shot, would probably do the job, number I, one. I, I, think, I would be um, very receptive and, to that. And number two, I don't, I don't know where uh, it goes from, you know, I put one bullet in your chest unloading a clip. You know, and sometimes it's, these are black men that are getting shot in the back and a, an yeah. entire clip being unloaded. I don't I don't know where their training comes from, um, but you, that's not necessary. Not in it's any overkill. Way. It, it is. And, and this whole conversation is overkill. We've been overkilling black men <laughs> in this country for way too long and, and women true. for that matter. Um, so, so my final back to the question that my final recommendation I would have for training would be that we implement like a secret, sh- a secret shopper program. Yeah. You know, I, I used to work at Burger King and we used to do that, right? Is yeah. you never knew when the secret shopper was coming. So everybody was on their P's and Q's. And, and even today I work in the business world. If somebody said the CEO was going to be walking around the building, everybody's Everybody. paying attention they're doing their work, <laughs> taking their headphones off, you know, like right. everybody's behaving like they're supposed to because of the threat of that. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that we should do the same thing um, in the police force and the police departments and have a secret shopper entity that's outside of the police force. Um, and, and that just test them, you know, for yeah. the proper use of force, the proper uh, skill sets in their job, just like everyone else gets tested, uh, I believe, in their job. So I agree with that. Yeah. So a uh, quick question here for you. How do you think we can solve police brutality? Um, now, this is a hard one. I'm sure everybody has their own thoughts and um, uh, answers to how it can be fixed. But first, having the uncomfortable conversation with police officers about their behaviors and truly um, having it come down the pipeline. And then doing what we're doing here, getting platforms like this that's gonna start talking about solutions yeah. and, and, and having races come together to get rid of all this this negativity about the police force as well as the racial issues. But specifically, I've heard um, and new current events or recent current events, people talking about defunding the police force. Um, defunding, which I had to look up and to make sure I understood, was pretty yeah. much every fiscal year they want to take the money that's going to be allocated to the police officers and reallocate it to um, uh, development programs specifically in the black community. Um, or to outreach programs or funding to something within the black community. You would think I would sit here and say, oh, that makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> um, I don't believe in the bad child getting um, more beatings. I'm not going to say that makes sense. And what I mean is if we're taking their lunch money away, am I going to expect that bad child to behave better throughout the day or worse? worse okay they're now hungry and they're pissed off so you don't want the nerd from high school (laughs) hungry and pissed off he's only going to arrest people and kill them so i think that's unwise um i also on a serious note i think that would put a lot of strain on the police department i agree with that you can't have um the best skilled people hired if they don't have money for it training wise training's going to fall by the wayside we can't have that so we need the money being sent there and more importantly 
importantly, the safety of the people. If we don't have enough police officers to respond to calls, That's a good point. they're going to delay it. I mean, it could be something as simplistic as my kid's choking to someone has a gun. And the gun call is always going to be responded to now that we cut down their funding. And then that will leave us to policing ourselves. And yeah. I know you've talked about that <laughs> or we've had many conversations about doing that. I don't think that's the answer. That is just, um, that's insanity. So let's not even think about that. Um, my biggest thing, so I don't believe in defunding. I believe in retraining. Mm -hmm. And I know that people go, well, we've done the reforms and retraining before. I agree, but this time let's have some stricter training from the top down. Yes. It's not just the police officers where we're adding a taser or we're adding body cam. I think it truly needs compassion training. I think it needs to be training in de-escalation. I think it needs to be more tactical um, escalation of threat levels where we're truly, like my husband said, you're putting the right amount of force to the crime. Someone with a $20 bill don't deserve a knee in their neck. Let's let's get over it. I got $20 in my pocket right now. If you really want a police officer or whoever was at the store, if we're arguing about $20, it's not worth someone's life. No. So that's one of the, so I believe in retraining. My biggest hope and my biggest belief, which I know we've talked about, is I want someone to police the police. And what I mean is, um, yes, we could have maybe, I think, the National Guard, since they're always at the ready anyway for each state, mm -hmm. whenever there's an issue as far as a police shooting, they're first on the scene and they're over, they get to basically supervise the investigation. Right. No ifs, ands, or buts, not after it's gotten to the precinct and everybody's gotten their hands in the cookie jar and changed the information. As soon as it's reported, they right. are dispatched to the scene. More importantly, if there is an escalation where the threat level is higher, they're already called out there to back up the police. They are not going to have their weapons drawn. They are there to supervise that the police use the right amount of force, react appropriately, and they have that big brother or CEO that's going to come and pop up like a, a, a you know a, a special shopper and uh, reveal their flaws right there on the spot. But more importantly, if I knew there was going to be another entity that's going to monitor me and make sure I'm doing the right things, I sure in hell wouldn't be quick to pull the trigger because yeah. my life is no longer in my fraternity brother's hands. It's in a military hand. The military as well, and the reason why I go with them mm -hmm. is we have different standards. We have yeah. different ethics, and we're hardcore to them, and specifically – I go in the fact of we have multiple people who can tell you you're wrong based on rank. Mm -hmm. And people take a lot of pride in their rank, whether they're enlisted or officers. And if the standard is the standard, there's somebody to remind you of that standard. Um, it might be that new officer that came in or that new enlisted, but the standards are always being hammered in. They're always being taught. Yeah. They're always. So that's the one thing that I think a government entity or a military branch would do great is to police the Bringing police. Bringing that into the police department. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, I think there's a lot of the, the values and the training and just the, the, like you said, the level of standards yeah. that the military carries with them that I personally feel would be very advantageous to a police department. I mean, yeah. honestly, they already get their weapons and their, their, you know, protective gear and there's tactics from them. Yep. 
you know, uh, but let's take some of the other more professionalism side of the house from, from the military, because that's the one thing I can say coming from the military is just everyone was professional. There was no racism in the military and it wouldn't have been allowed. Yeah. It just truly wouldn't have been allowed. So, you know, I never experienced that whatsoever. And, and, you know, it was his own kind of fraternity, but we were a fraternity that, that if you look bad, you make us all look bad. Yep. And we, we roll as a team and I'm going to help keep you out of trouble, you know, and like even the the officers, the other three officers in the George Floyd situation, you know, um, if if just one of them would have stepped in and said, Hey man, I I think you need to cool off. I got him from here, you know, and let some, cause honestly, that is one thing too, is police officers sometimes, you know, they got a lot going on. They got a lot on their mind. They got life to deal with too. You know, let's be honest. They, fighting with their wife that morning their kid is sick you know their grandmother's in the hospital whatever it is they're dealing with a lot of those things too plus potentially every car they come up on could be armed and trying to take their life so i understand it but when you've gotten too far that's where that fraternity should come in and step in and say hey man back off i got it absolutely you know so we were we were talking about this as a side note um about um truly doing psych evaluations we were listening to killer mike and it's like the ninth thing that is um part of their entry to being a police officer when i believe it should be their first first thing um because you need to know if they had any childhood history any history of depression anxiety if i already had anxiety i don't need a weapon and the fear that the person in the car is going to kill me i need to know that maybe this isn't the job for me and police need to dig in not those little superficial like is this the mm. flower versus is this the pit bull and which one do you feel more <laughs> you know intimidated by no yeah. i need real scenarios of there's a hispanic kid a black kid and a white kid playing on a playground which one do you feel more threatened by and honestly make it scenarios like that where we reword things and we're, we're truly yeah. asking those hardcore questions that will get to that personality, um, I would say, defect, if you want to say that, that they may have. Right. So that's something I would push for with my retraining is making psych evaluations at the top of the list. The other thing that I know people may not know out there, I am a nurse practitioner and I specifically have um, treated men's health and um, this goes into the testosterone. or more of my male patients were police officers. That's a bad scenario for I've seen a man on low testosterone and I've seen a man on too high of testosterone and they are like, females in menopause <laughs> it's ridiculous if you ever want to see a moody yeah. ass man let his testosterone be wrong or he's taking too much and yeah. honestly if you're saying that um and i've talked to a pharmacist who agreed with me he said most of my um uh, my patients that get testosterone are police officers so these mm. are two different entities and we're both seeing the same thing so imagine that hopped up police officer coming to your house um, and it's just low on their medicine. Um, you get anxiety from this. You get depression. depression you get yeah. uh, tremors because your levels are just off. And all these things matter when you have your fingers on a trigger, when your, your, your uh, mental state is based yeah. on a chemical that's unbalanced in your body. So I believe and I would push for that no male that is a police officer should be on testosterone because prime reason the military we can't be on testosterone Mm -hmm. and of all people who should be on testosterone 
is a military man because they deserve it and need it to keep fighting days in and days out. So if the men who are deployed for months can't have testosterone, yeah. I don't need a man on a daily basis who has a weapon on his hip having testosterone. So Well, and, and this is one last point I'll make on this one, love. But the crazy thing about that whole statement, that topic is, um, and you can look at Lance Armstrong as yeah. an example, yeah. right? All he did was ride a bicycle, ride a right? And and he wasn't allowed to take testosterone and, and PEDs while riding a bicycle. And, and every single athlete in the NFL, the, the NBA, the MLB, they're all tested constantly for Correct. these types of drugs to be in their system. So I think it's it's preposterous that we would not check someone who has a gun on their hip for this, this this drug or this this uh, chemical yet we we check athletes like nobody's business um who, the most they can do is is what put a ball through a hoop a little bit harder like you know what i mean run an extra uh, two minutes so you know they, they can outrun somebody else or whatever like it's just preposterous to me that, that the military the athletes yeah. all of these kind of organizations are not allowed but yet uh, for police who carry a gun on there, even the military doesn't carry a gun with them 24 seven. No, You know, you got to be in a combat situation for that. Police officers carry their weapon with them 24 seven. So I feel like it should apply to them as well. Well, I, I think um, we've covered a few topics here this morning, Absolutely. love, and uh, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Yes. Plus I get to sit next to this pretty lady. So, uh, he just wants <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate the conversation, the topics, and we're going to continue this uh, series and, and with some more questions as well later. But uh, just once again, thank you. Thank you so much from Lovey New. All right. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us and listening to our new perspectives as we inspire hope and ignite the love for life. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.